And we welcome you to the Wednesday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. It's been an exciting week thus far for the morning show with uh, two rebroadcasts of conversations with historian Ronald C. White, who comes to Carthage Thursday night as keynote speaker for the two-day Lincoln Symposium. And now the excitement continues in a different vein as we preview for you what promises to be a very special homecoming concert Saturday evening, 7.30 p.m. at Carthage's Siebert Chapel, part of homecoming festivities. And this is a very special occasion indeed. Not only is it homecoming, but it is also the sesquicentennial, that is the 150th anniversary of the Carthage Band. And so for this special occasion, there is an alumni band in which alums of the uh, Carthage Band are invited to join in the festivities and fun. And two former band directors from Carthage College, former members of the faculty, now retired, are coming back uh, to the podium uh, to help with conducting duties on Saturday evening. So first of all, Dr. James Ripley is with us, the current director of instrumental activities at Carthage and director of the Carthage Wind Orchestra. And then with us as well, uh, Dr. Woodrow Hodges and Dr. Ken Winkle, who each had uh, their own stints as director of, of the bands at, at Carthage. And each of them will be uh, conducting a work on Saturday evening's concert. And it's going to be fun to do some reminiscing today about uh, days gone by and about the, the rich and interesting history of, of band music at Carthage. And we should hasten to add that the Carthage Choir is also a part of Saturday evening's concert again, 7.30 p.m. in Seaver Chapel. The public is invited, free of charge, to enjoy what promises to be a very exciting concert. Dr. James Ripley, Dr. Ken Winkle, Dr. Woodrow Hodges, we welcome all three of you to the morning show. Thank you, Greg. Glad to be here. Good to have this reunion. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Ripley, I want to make sure I get to ask this. One of the things that has impressed me uh, about you for quite some time is that you seem to be something of a history buff. And I can't think of, really and truly, I can't think of anybody else on the music faculty who has such uh, a kind of relentless, tireless interest in Carthage's history, including distant history. And you've programmed lots and lots of band concerts over the years that have touched on various <laughs> matters out of Carthage's history. I'm just curious, is that always how you've been wired? Has that always been important to you? I think a lot of it came from my background, especially at, at Luther College. There seemed to be such a, a history there. Um, the, the band directors, <clears throat> the music department, the things about that place. And, and I felt you know, quite akin to that college when coming to Carthage. It uh, was very similar to the school that I remembered entering Decorah, Iowa, uh, when I came 23 years ago. And so I just kind of came into the ideas, well, what's, what's there? What, what could be that part of our history? And I found out some really interesting things along the way. So there's been developing um, programming ideas based upon finding out a little bit more and more as I went. But largely, it, it stemmed from just trying to find out initially you know, when the band started and, and what kinds of things had gone on. And since that time, I've always had an interest just in, in the band's history in, in a larger sense, going all the way back to Renaissance music and things like that. But it's all blended together. Yeah. 
It is a long history, and of course, I mean, as a Luther alum, I don't mind saying this, Carthage's history is in some ways even more interesting than Luther College's history, just because it's kind of a jagged history with this, these first decades that were down in Carthage, Illinois, and then this dramatic and in some ways traumatic move up here to Kenosha, Wisconsin. And, uh, and of course, uh, a lot of interesting things have ha- happened along the way. So tell us a little bit about uh, the very, very early days of the Carthage Band. I mean, and we're talking about 150 years ago. So I'll try to keep this brief. There, there will be, for those of you that come to the concert, uh, uh, a program that includes, uh, I think it's about a four-page history that details a little bit more than what I'll do oh. in these uh, short moments that we have here. But uh, largely following the Civil War, there were a contingent of, of men that were um, uh, looking for a, a, a future within their own um, um, next steps uh, as soldiers and uh, enrolled at Carthage as, as students. Uh, at that time, the college also had just hired on a German and music instructor by the name hmm. of Helfrich. And he uh, was the cornet player that also led this first group of students. Um, but that was largely the way that most college bands got started was Civil War musicians that were looking uh, either for a job or to continue in some way of playing. Uh, there were municipal bands, but also these college bands got started, and, and Carthage's was one of the first that took that leap. Mm. Um, so there's an interesting next step that I've, I found out. Uh, it seems like as, as both um, uh, Ken and, and Woody and and myself at times have done is also involving community members within the group. Hmm. Uh, That was one of the things that I found out recently was the six-piece group of students was also augmented in those first couple of years by community members to form what would have been a more standard size brass band. Ah. So there was actually 16 players in some of those early concerts as well. And they were not all Carthage students. Correct, correct. And that was fairly new information. I I did a little digging into the Carthage Public Library in Illinois, Hmm. and they did some research and found these newspaper articles that had this information. So this isn't included in any of the Carthage history books that have been published, but this was in the, the uh, Carthage Republican News. <laughs> okay. So uh, do we have much in the way of, of knowledge, tangible knowledge about what was played or what the very first concerts by something like the Carthage Band were like? Uh, a little bit. Uh, and surprisingly, any at all, because printed programs were not really a part of the, the workings of especially outdoor band programs. You wouldn't hand out programs mm. as things were outdoors. But the first concert was actually held from the, uh, the rooftop of one of the college buildings. The, the main building had been constructed, and then they were working on the second building, and they had finished the first floor, but evidently the band played this first concert from the top of that building as it was being constructed. Um, then after that, most of the performances were for like oyster suppers or the <laughs> odd fellows meetings you know they were things that were community events that needed to have a, a musical ensemble that would 
participate. And all of the reviews in the newspaper said that it was very favorable. Um, there, there is one little quote that I'd like to read um, where the, the group themselves were somewhat self-deprecating in their way of also <laughs> trying to um, secure some funds for some new instruments as they were getting started. So this, this dates from uh, November 27, 1873, and they, they wrote, not with a critic's eye, but pass its rusty old horns by. Spare your words, restrain your hoot, and help us buy new horns to toot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, probably not a poetry major. <laughs> but, uh, wow. <laughs> that's great. So that's kind of how they got started. Um, the thing that's... Uh, interesting about the, the history in general of of the the band but particularly now is, is situated within uh, a small uh, religious based school you know that's that's just kind of getting started in this new location of Carthage Illinois and what they come to understand is this band that's been constructed to basically play for commencement as well you know that's that's how a lot of music groups got their foothold into education. So they play for commencement, and they found out the group's pretty loud. <laughs> and so actually in uh, 1876, the first commencement is held, and the band plays for commencement, all is well. The next year they play for commencement, and they've added more players. You know, it's gotten bigger. And so the faculty decides in 1867 that the band really shouldn't be playing anymore because, <laughs> because the cymbals and the drums are just too loud just for, these, yeah, for these kind of austere you know, ceremonies wow. that are taking place. Um, so evidently the, the band goes on hiatus for a while from that standpoint because of, of that. But um, those are the, the early beginnings. Fascinating. I was going to ask you if there was a Carthage band straight through. I mean, if these 150 years have been an unbroken line. I mean, even in those years when they did not play for commencement, was there still some kind of Carthage band? There have been instrumental groups almost continuously, but I don't have firm records to say in 1900 this was the group. Um, some of that is that the, the yearbooks don't all go back that far to be able to trace those things and so the um, uh, the presumption is at that point they probably did stop for at least a few years we know that once um, the 1920s actually come in after the first world war then there's a rejuvenation of the college and there's a reinstitution that's clearly seen in the yearbooks at that time it says and now here's here's the group going again um, uh, there's referencing at least three times to the start of an orchestra that mm. here is now the orchestra and it's a combination of wind, brass, and percussion with strings. Um, by the time we get to like 1947, there's a definite thing that appears in the yearbook that says, and now this is the first orchestra. But it's not really, the f it, it's, it's happened many times <laughs> along the line, so mm. even tracing history is a little sketchy yeah, at no times. But what um, I just recalled you asked that I would just give a quick answer now to is, is what was played. Um, within those first years, very much uh, marches, waltzes, that was the, the norm at the time. And so um, there's a, uh, 
a number of things along those lines. Uh, our listeners won't know the titles anyway, so I won't, <laughs> I won't go along with, with those um, for right now. But uh, composers of the time was uh, Claudio Grafula, who was a very um, prolific march composer from, from Germany, um, um, and other uh, popular kinds of pieces. So the concert that's going to happen Saturday night You've clearly put it together with some eye towards this history, and I know from what you've already told me that a couple of pieces are very specifically programmed to uh, commemorate this and other related anniversaries. Yes. Um, the whole year is, is really programmed to celebrate the, the anniversary, but for this particular concert, there's two pieces that really date from exactly at that time. The piece that... Um, that Ken Winkle is conducting, the Review March of Sousa, was written in 1873, the same year. And then uh, we're actually performing a work that was written for Carthage called the Carthage College Grand March, and that was written in 1874. So mm. those two will be performed. But we also have our eyes turned towards the year 1873, which marks the uh, anniversary of the birth of Sergei Rachmaninoff. So uh, Dr. Hodges will be conducting a piece by him. And largely, this first concert, though, is more to kind of recenter the historical focus of, of the college and, and the music department at that time, which had very much a, a, a religious and um, basis within the Lutheran Church. So the wind orchestra is actually starting with variations on uh, a mighty fortress, the hmm. the, the hymn tune uh, by uh, John Zedeklik. It's simply called Psalm 46, um, and then we end uh, with a mighty fortress because that's the closing music for the Carthage Grand March. And in between, we're doing a selection that was written by W. C. Handy, the St. Louis Blues March. Um, and Handy was also born in 1873. So mm. we're trying to just capture that year um, in, a, in a full way. Um, the other pieces that are on the program, uh, Alfred Reed's A Festival Prelude is uh, representative of a composer that's been performed a lot at, at the college. Maybe the most performed composer uh, throughout the years was Alfred Reed. So I wanted to do a piece um, in his honor. And um, I think that's basically the program. We end with a beautiful work by Rayfon Williams that was written for the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, um, this is, uh, it's called the uh, Old Hundredth Psalm Tune. Oh, yes. And it is uh, this beautiful processional setting where uh, we're also asking the audience to sing the first and last mm. verses along with the, the band choir as we finish the concert. That's a magnificent work. It's one of my favorites, and that excites me a lot. I mean, everything you've described excites me a lot. For those of you just joining us, we're previewing Saturday night's homecoming concert at Carthage College, which uh, not only celebrates Carthage homecoming, but also the sesquicentennial, the 150th anniversary of band music at Carthage, if you will. And uh, joining us is not only uh, Dr. James Ripley, but also two of his music faculty predecessors, Dr. Ken Winkle and Dr. Woodrow Hodges, who are going to be guest conductors for Saturday night's concert. Um, so just tell us a little bit about what it was like to uh, 
receive the email or the phone call or however this invitation came to uh, each of you to uh, to participate in this concert Saturday night. Dr. Hodges. I got, <clears throat> excuse me, I got an email from Ken. I don't know, I mean from James, from Jim. And I don't know if it was sent to both of us simultaneously. Was I free on homecoming day, Saturday the 30th? What am I interested in, in conducting? And ironically, Saturday of homecoming is the only Saturday in the month of September and October that I'm in the town of Kenosha. <laughs> so they thread the needle with the invitation. It, huh? it worked out perfectly, and I was just really excited. I said, I'm in. I'm in. Wow. How about you, uh, Dr. Winkle? Um, I'm not quite sure the circumstances such as Willie's here. Um, but uh, I'm delighted to be available for that. Um, it's amazing that this march goes back to S uh, Susan March before he was director of the Marine Band. Uh, he had been in a, they had a program for perhaps children of the people in the Marine Band. And then uh, Susan aged out. And then he got more training, and he was writing uh, stage works and different kinds of music. And that's when he wrote this march. The and march that you're going to be conducting right, Saturday night. it's called Review. Yeah. And that probably goes from the stage when different acts would come out and so forth. Wow. And it has sort of a light, uh, early music, stage music feel. Mm. Light and bouncy. Absolutely. And you were saying it actually dates from this same year of the it is. things started at Carthage. It's yeah. regarded as Seuss's first march, and it just happened to be 1873. I was yeah. looking around yeah. going, I wonder if there's a Seuss march around this time, <laughs> and there it was. Wow, fantastic. I'm excited to hear that. Uh, so, Dr. Ripley, tell us a little bit, and then we'll hear more from Dr. Hodges and Dr. Winkle. Tell us a about the... Uh, alumni who uh, will be streaming back to Carthage uh, to be participating uh, this weekend. Tell us who was invited and uh, who's coming. Um, well, this is a wonderful uh, collection of, of uh, alumni from very, very uh, um, many different years. And uh, what initially kind of prompted the idea was that uh, with the um, with the band going to Japan in January, we had looked at the possibility of having an alumni group that would go along with them um, because it's also the 20th anniversary from the first time that the band went to Japan. But that started some discussions about, well, maybe we should just have, you know, a big alumni band for this anniversary. And it all made sense. And so um, we started communicating back in, gosh, uh, May really about ways to make this happen. Um, I think uh, the graduate that will be the most senior uh, dates from the late 70s. Um, so we don't go all the way back to 1873. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> um, but uh, there are a number uh, from uh, the 2000s and the 2010s, but quite a, a representation also from the 80s. And so it's, it's nice to see all of the, the various alums uh, take part in this. Uh, the activities include the, the rehearsal in the morning. We have a, a, a dinner planned at night for, for them as well, and obviously the concert in the evening. Fantastic. 
isn't it always a little bit of a gamble? I mean, isn't it always possible that you end up with 55 flutes and one tuba? Uh, I mean, <laughs> do you have to cross your fingers that a decent balance of instruments will uh, will will appear greg that that's the life of a band director <laughs> there's something about sopranos altos tenors and basses that seem to always just kind of come in but yeah uh, it's almost perfect instrumentation wow. as as you allude there may be a, a couple more flutes than what you would uh, choose to have but they're all delightful they're all good players and it'll be great to have them there but we have uh two oboes we've got two bassoons we've got a full range of clarinets saxes trumpets and i mean it's it's almost a perfect instrumentation fantastic great so again we're talking about saturday night's homecoming concert at siebert chapel that will feature the current carthage uh, wind orchestra and carthage choir and this sesquicentennial alumni band uh uh, that will uh, be rocking the house Saturday night. Can't look uh, look forward to that very, very much. Well, let's turn to our two special guests for uh, a few minutes here and, and learn a little bit about their time at Carthage uh, College. I guess we should start with Dr. Ken Winkle because uh, he preceded Dr. Hodges uh, to the faculty of, of Carthage by uh, three or four years uh, beginning in 1973. So this marks actually your 50th anniversary of when you started working yes. at Carthage. Wow. Very good. Amazing. So uh, tell us what your, what your impressions were of Carthage when uh, this opportunity came across your, your, your path. What, what was Carthage like in those days and its music department? Well, Carthage was in a declining enrollment period. And each of my first, I think, three or four or five years, we got a little bit smaller. Um, and uh, I think the faculty became a very cohesive unit because of that. Mm. We actually met and, and supported each other. Uh, and we had some very good students at that time. Uh, and it was a pleasure to see it gradually. It, it, took, it took quite a few years before that enrollment started to turn. And uh, now, uh, I think we're down to about 700 students or so. Now the enrollment would be 2,500? Oh my gosh, I think we're closer to 2,900 okay. now. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, that's about the freshman class uh, that you're describing <laughs> yes. the whole yes. student body. But you know, I, I think, it's, I think you're, you're right that sometimes it is those lean times that are really challenging where actually sometimes it all blows apart, yeah. but in other cases, especially if you have the right people, there is this sense of we're in this together, we have to work together, and it sounds like in Carthage's right. case it was the latter. Right. So what were you teaching when you came to Carthage? What were your primary duties? Well, I, I came as the, the assistant band director. I did that for two years. We weren't large enough to have two band directors. So I mainly was involved with uh, restructuring the music ed program uh, they used to take a lesson on every different instrument, and I instituted the brass techniques course, woodwind techniques, percussion techniques, and so forth, string, and um, well, still, that's the standard way of teaching the instruments. A band director uh, has, has to be able to play all those instruments at some level, and uh, uh, also orchestration and, and at different points, I, I taught uh, freshman theory for several years. Um, and All the brass lessons. Yeah. And, uh, 
Uh, I played in the Croce Symphony and trombone and uh, dealt with all kinds of brass instruments. Uh, I also was involved with non-music courses. We had, mm. I was on the curriculum committee when we approved uh, for our basic writing skills and speaking skills and all those. We had four courses that all students were required to take. And I was quite committed to that program. Mm. And I taught in that long past what most of the other music faculty did. Wow. Uh, a lot of people did it a year or two and quickly got out of it. <laughs> put, their, put in their time. Yes. You, you were in there for the long haul. <laughs> good for you. That's so a, I did believe in the, in the premise of the program. Sure. Oh, very good. Glad a jewel in your crown for that. Mm. Very good. So again, Dr. Ken Winkle uh, begins on the faculty at Carthage uh, back in 1973. It's four years later that Dr. Woodrow Hodges uh, follows him. That's not the first time you were kind of in the vicinity to each other. Explain your connection with Dr. Winkle even before the two of you began teaching together at Carthage. Yes, uh, Ken Winkle and I went to, were in graduate school at the University of Iowa in Iowa City for several years and took classes together. We were both graduate assistants with the band, and our wives knew each other hmm. and were friends. <laughs> His wife was from and my hometown. Ah. Now, my first wife was from here in South Dakota, which is where Ken Winkle is from. And Ken Winkle's older brother, Bill Winkle, dated Carol's best friend in high school. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and so in Iowa City, we had an instant connection. Sure. And took classes together and were colleagues and then left it the same year. I went uh, in, in the same year. I went to Cincinnati and he went to uh, Carthage. And then I came to Carthage in the fall of 1977. And what were what were you hired to do very specifically? Director of bands. Oh. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Director of bands, uh, pet band and uh, concert band. And then woodwind all the woodwind lessons and music theory, which I hadn't done before, but I just needed to fill out. So I started doing music theory and oral skills and all the woodwind lessons and then band and jazz band too. So it was pet band and concert band, jazz band, woodwind lessons, music theory. So that was a long enough list of things <laughs> oh <my>. to do. <laughs> and then at some point, it feels like Music theory became more and more of a focus for you. Well, I just I grew into it and ended up doing it the entire time of my career until I retired in 2013. It was theory five days a week. Yeah. Well, three days a week, oral skills two days a week. Something to do every single day, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, you were also, I mean, Dr. Winkle mentioned how he was hired at a point when Carthage was having some struggles, and I know there was a renewal of struggles not long after that. I mean, that would have been, I guess, during the 80s where uh, mm -hmm. things became quite lean once again, and I suspect you maybe experienced what he did as well, I mean, where you're all, all in it together. Well, absolutely, exactly. A declining enrollment, smaller and smaller Instrumentation is always the fight, instrumentation. And James mentioned earlier, sometimes community members sitting in, and so you don't necessarily like to do that, but we would have one or two people sit in on a certain instrument if we needed to. Sure. But 
by the mid-'80s, we weren't doing that much anymore. Right, right. And, uh, of course, things turned around for the college quite dramatically, and uh, that upswing is uh, right. still very much in place. So so you you were both at Carthage during years of, of exciting growth, and I know for each of you, you probably have to uh, remember memorable moments with with great affection. Dr. Winkle, let's begin with you. What would be... Uh, what would be a kind of a musical high point that you remember from your time at Carthage? Well, for quite often, I uh, the brass choir was the instrumental group for the Christmas programs. Mm. So that that started very small on the stairway over by the old library, and they put chairs on the floor, um, maybe a couple hundred chairs. And let me just clarify for our listeners. So this is this is now the Straz building. Yes. And if people are walking into Wartburg Auditorium, that big high ceiling lobby area, that's where you're talking about the Christmas concert occurring. Right, right there in that opening lobby with the. Then they <laughs> built acoustics. the the new chapel, and uh, the brass graded that for a few more years. But we thought the band should be doing that. It's a bigger venue and so forth. So that at some point, I don't know the year, uh, the band did the, you had the band and choir, organ, um, and uh, so some of those I thought were quite exciting. Uh, maybe some of the tour things were very exciting also. Sometimes the brass choir toured with the band. Um, very good. Dr. Hodges, what are couple of musical high points you remember? <laughs> well, my first high point was my very first appearance with the band on campus, Baptism of Fire. Hmm. Erno Dahl had come in in, in the year 76, 77. This was a his, former president of Carthage. His inauguration was in the fall of 77, right in the fall. I'd only been in campus a couple of weeks. Here's this big inaugural <laughs> ceremony. People from around the country, you know, band in the... Well, we'd only been rehearsing just for a few weeks. Well, what, what do we wear? Oh, you know, just Sunday clothes, nice Sunday morning, nice dresses. Well, what's the choir wearing? Well, they no, they wear tuxes, and and the conductor John went. Well, he'd be in white tie and tails. Well, what does the band wear? Well, just nice suits, you know. <laughs> oh, I said. <laughs> so during the honeymoon period, we got tuxes, and our mm. first time to play was we had just these ratty folding mixed stanzels, gray ones, some wire stands, some mixture of chairs. Huh. Well. <laughs> So we got a bunch of new Manhasset stands. Mm. And so uh, the first event was just right off the bat. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you remember what you played? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you remember a lot of other things. That's, that, that's perfectly fine. So, so Dr. Ripley, uh, you started Carthage in 2001. Did you have a baptism of fire as well, or did you have a little easier entry into, into musical matters there? Wow. Um, you know, the thing I guess I remember the most <clears throat> is is something that I would also just relate now in, in a little different way. It, it's unusual to have um, two professors emeriti that would be um, a part of, of something like this. Um, uh, 
especially in the in the music profession, people you know tend to kind of go places, you know, and mm. and 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 um, so you know when you have such distinguished people with a record that are you know still a part of the community and doing the thing. I mean, that's just right a here in your special backyard. thing. Yeah. And that was what I felt from the very outset was that um, you know when when I came for the um, the interview and things like that, the the numbers of the group at that point were were sparse, you know, but um, both uh, Kenny, Kenny, <laughs> <laughs> Ken and Woody, <laughs> I can just call you guys Kenny now, <laughs> you know, had done such a great job in, in recruiting and bringing new people in that that first year was really very wonderful, you know, mm. um, uh, there was surprising number of students that were there and and excited about playing and um you know since that time there's been lots of other you know wonderful things but the the first year was really thanks to them that it, it went so well yeah glad to hear it for those of you just joining us we are previewing this weekend's homecoming concert at carthage college that will feature the carthage choir the wind orchestra and the sesquicentennial alumni band that uh, will be uh, all joining forces for what promises to be a really exciting concert Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. at Carthage's uh, Siebert Chapel. So, uh, Dr. Winkle, uh, tell us a little bit about growing up in Huron, South Dakota, and, uh, and who or what got you excited in the trombone? Well, I was not a trombone player. Oh. When I came to Carthage, everybody thought I was a trombone player. Yeah. Uh, I, I was a euphonium player, oh, okay. <laughs> but I needed to, and I played in uh, through college, and then three years of army bands. Um, I could play trombone, and I subbed in the dance band in the service when they needed that. Um, I decided, uh, and then I went to, I taught two years, and then I studied euphonium with Bill Bell at Indiana University, and then we moved to West Branch, Iowa, and I decided I needed to be a trombone player. So I started summers, I took trombone lessons. I had to put my euphonium away. (laughs) The reason I returned to my euphonium is Woody. He had me play a solo. He knew me as a euphonium player. Yes. Ah. He had me play a solo, (laughs) and then I would split recitals, and finally I said, I'm really a euphonium player. Mm. It's a different animal than travel. Same right. mouthpiece, same, you know. No slide. Um, <laughs> so. Well, I'm glad to have that correction because <laughs> in, in my mind you're a trombonist. So thank you for setting the record straight. So. And, ac- and actually with the pandemic in retirement, um, I played a couple hours every day. I decided I would drop the trombone and I became fully a euphonium player. Did two recitals for the neighborhood. Hmm. And uh, I played in the uh, Parkside Community Band with euphonium for a, m- a bunch of years now. Fantastic. So. I'm so glad to hear that. <coughs> so uh, are you going to surprise us as well that you didn't start out on the bassoon? Did you oh. start out on the flute or something else? <laughs> no, for sure. This is a real story. My whole entire p- family were brass players. And my paternal grandfather played baritone horn in the town band. And then my dad and my uncle grew up on baritone, not on euphonium, but an old-fashioned belt front baritone horn. And so that, and 
in the 1950s, that's what I started on. In June, in fifth and sixth grade, I started on the family baritone horn. And when I started in junior high, I played baritone. But I, and then we had a really good high school orchestra program, and I started on trombone, so you could play it in jazz band and orchestra. But I wasn't very good. Hmm. I could read. I could count. I had great technique. I could read tenor clef. But I just didn't have a natural homage or a real snuffly sound, no endurance, <laughs> no range. It was pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope so, there's a happy ending to this. <laughs> I'm headed towards that. Okay. Okay. So then, uh, and our, our, our high school orchestra and, and uh, band director, Howard Hoggedall, was a bassoonist from Eastman, principal bassoon player in the Wichita Symphony, spent his summers conducting in Interlochen. And my dad was a college band director, taught woodwind techniques, brass techniques, and, well, maybe we should switch instruments. And bassoon, because I could read tenor clef, bass clef, was used to playing the continuum, you know. But he says, before you do that, you'll have to play clarinet first, because that's the piano of the woodwinds. The low octaves mm. and F scale, you know, fingerings, and the upper registers, the C scale fingering. So he brought home a, a woodwind techniques clarinet from the college where he taught, showed me some stuff, why shoot, in 20 minutes and a half an hour, I could play the clarinet better than I just <laughs> sound, you know. And I remember, I remember my mom and dad talking in the kitchen. My dad says, what have I done? What have we done? And so during my senior in high school, I played, just played trombone like everybody, and secretly I started practicing on the clarinet, and when contest came, I played a Brahms clarinet sonata, and my director said, what? <laughs> I got a two, but I mean, you know. <laughs> and so I graduated from high school and, in the, and just started playing bassoon, and by the fall, I was a bassoon major. Wow. So, you know, in my senior year of college, I played lead alto sax in the Symphonia stage band. I played, uh, my cousin was a really good oboist, and during our Baroque festival week, I played second oboe on a, in a San Martini double oboe concerto. <laughs> I played third flute on flutations, a flute novelty <laughs> piece on, on, uh, on band tour, and I played trombone and marching band and pep band, but then bassoon on in orchestra and band. You know, jack of all trades, master. <laughs> there you go. And Dr. Ripley, you play the tuba. I do. <laughs> when I got Shorten started, <laughs> my lovely elementary band director said, this little guy can play whatever he wants, but we want him to play tuba. And mm. I just said, yes, ma'am. All right. So, and you're married to a flutist, so you have both <laughs> ends of the spectrum covered in the Ripley household. Indeed. Very good. I'm, I'm glad I asked the question because it was two, two good stories, three actually. So um, I think it would be important to and, and, and good to talk for just a few minutes. We don't have a lot of time, but talking a little bit about just the vocation of teaching. And, of course, just because you love to play the bassoon or play the euphonium or conduct a, a, a band does not necessarily mean you have the, the, the heart of a teacher, but uh, obviously... Uh, Everyone in this room does, and teaching has been really important to, to, to all of you. So, uh, Dr. Wiggle, let's just begin with you again. I wish we had more time to talk about this, but um, uh, has, has, was somebody a particular guiding light for you, or, or was there any particular principle that, uh, in a sense, kind of guided you as a, as a teacher, as an educator? 
my actually I had two unbelievable band directors. My elementary one uh, had won the national marching concert band for the United States. I think there were 10, 12 banners in our gym. Then hmm. we moved to Huron. Paul Christensen became my band director. He'd played alto sax in, in Sousa's band. Oh, wow. So he's the one that probably had the most influence on me. Uh, in junior high and high school, I would, Buddy and I would get passed to get out of study hall and we'd practice every day. Uh, uh, so he would kind of monitor us all the way through. And then after uh, I became a, a band director, I would see him at, at the uh, band director's convention. And that was just a wonderful meeting. Uh, he was a person who did not talk, but uh, very quiet, but a wonderful player. And I, he actually had me play euphonium with his all-star dance, dance band. Uh, and sometimes I would come from playing in pep band and I would go to do a dance job and he would point at me and says, stop playing those marches. This is a dance music, you know. <laughs> you have to do the eighth no stripper. Oh, that's, that's yeah, a good so. point. Yeah, not, not, not all music but is a But he was a, a, a great model. I did yeah. student teaching with him also. Mm. Well, you're fortunate. Very good. Dr. Hodges? I'll take a different tack. Teaching music, giving private music lessons isn't different than almost anything else. we got to fix this. This doesn't sound very good. Working, But you're okay as a person. People come in and mm. you just, you know, get beat up. Well, this isn't very good. Why didn't you practice this mm. and that? But you're okay as a person. Self-esteem, you know, maintain self-esteem and confidence, but still at the same time, you got to fix this. This needs to be better. It's never, it, it's always, every lesson, what's the next step? Mm. It's never done. What's, that was really good. Now, what about this? But you're okay as a person. Mm. Well, I suppose that's important when you're trying to master uh, an instrument like the bassoon. I mean, from what I understand, it is an exceptionally difficult instrument to master. And, and uh, probably a lot of bassoon students have been beat up quite a lot by their teachers, I should think. So uh, you probably uh, learn from uh, that own personal experience. Dr. Ripley, how about you as a teacher? What, what has drawn you to this profession and has kept you at it all these years? Um, you know, it, it really is just... Uh, simply the the love of music. Um, I think the thing that I miss the most about teaching high school is there were times where I could see and feel the students turning from technicians to musicians. Hmm. By the time they come to college, they've usually made that turn already. And it's just such a remarkable time. And so I think most of what I do in teaching teachers is to help them get to their students so that they can experience that part of things. It's, it's just a really special day when somebody comes in and they're not just playing notes anymore. They're not just kind of getting through it, hmm. that there's actually music going on. And that's what's driven me pretty much all the way through. Fantastic. Well said. Let's finish out by reminding everybody about the incredibly special and exciting concert that is coming up on Saturday night. So we start with the wonderful Carthage Choir and my great uh, colleague Maggie Burke who will be leading them in three selections. Um, the uh, 
The first one is a, a spiritual weight in the water. Second piece is a uh, reflective piece by Jake Runnestad that's been performed on campus before, but it's just a remarkable work. I'm let, so glad let that my she's... love be heard. Exactly, yeah. yeah, it's remarkable. And then uh, ending with a new piece that I had not heard before, but um, of a... Indonesian atmospheric piece with all sorts of special sounds and 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 lyrical melodic things and uh, we're just so happy that that will be uh, the start of the program they'll be joining us again then at the end of the concert for the Vaughn Williams um, old hundredth psalm tune and uh, in between we have the the wind orchestra with their selections and the alumni band uh, performing as well uh, 7.30 is the, the start time for the concert. We're looking at doors will open at 7 o'clock, maybe a little bit early. It'll be a busy day on campus, so um, uh, at least the game will be done by that time. Parking should be available in the lower lot for that. And um, the, uh, the next morning we also have a, a worship service at, at 10 and then a memorial service for Pastor Cara Baylor at 11.15. And the wind orchestra is also playing for that memorial service. So mm -hmm. we've got a busy weekend with the band, and um, starting with the uh, the concert is is going to be great. So 7:30 at Siebert Chapel, uh, Carthage Choir, Wind Orchestra, and the Sesquicentennial Alumni Band. As we welcome back a lot of uh, old friends to the campus of Carthage College. Well, this has been fun today as well. I'm so glad that we had this opportunity to uh, reconnect and to uh, talk about uh, the legacy that each of you have at Carthage College. Dr. Woodrow Hodges, Dr. Ken Winkle, and Dr. James Ripley, my thanks to all of you for being uh, a part of the morning show today. Thank you again, and happy homecoming to one and all. Thanks Thank a lot. You. <laughs> and let's listen to the final measures of the magnificent work by Von Williams' Old Hundredth Psalm, that will serve as the finale for Saturday night's homecoming concert at Carthage College. This is from an Argo compact disc, which features the choir of Winchester Cathedral and the Burnmouth Symphony Orchestra, led by David Hill. Music of Von Williams, Old Hundredth Psalm.